This is episode 222 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Welcome back to the show. Today I have Darren Nil on the show and Darren is a very interesting guy who started investing back in the early 2010s and he did a little bit of a key spire and then he eventually bought a duplex which he house hacked and now he's doing developments in small towns. So he is buying buildings on the main streets of small towns like Delhi, Waterford, Ontario, Simcoe, Ontario, and dealing with their municipalities, staying within the existing zoning bylaws. So if it's a mixed use property on the main street, you know, those commercial storefronts with apartments over top and a red brick building, well, he's buying that type of thing and retrofitting them, restoring them back to what they were at one point, and then renting them out for some serious cash flow. So we went through a case study in today's episode where he was able to do a building that ended up being worth 3.7 million on the appraisal. He pocketed $400,000 with his partner on the deal. And then the property still cash flowed $8,300 a month, uh, according to the cash flow I calculated on the show. So these are pretty awesome deals. Uh, I would call that a grand slam home run type deal. And it seems like he's lining more of those up. Another one that we talked about was a gas station that he recently bought and he handled the remediation. So we talked about what's involved in that. There's something you have to do called an environmental study. Phase one and a phase two are the different testings. And then a phase three is the remediation. So he did the whole shebang, uh, cost him about $50,000 plus another $25,000 in demo. So I would say to, you know, to simplify it, Darren's a pretty aggressive investor that makes very calculated moves. And uh, it was a real treat to just dig into these deals with him. Uh, And I think you're going to like it a lot. Uh, Just a reminder that monthly I host the Greater Toronto Area West Meetup. So the GTA West REI Meetup. If you are in the area or if you're anywhere in the Golden Horseshoe or even further than that and you just want to come out and chat real estate, um, join our private Facebook group. It's totally free to join. It's totally free to to attend the events. All we ask is that you please support the businesses that are hosting us. So we're right now we're hosting it at uh, West Ave cider please support them because that allows us to keep the event free and um yeah one thing to do is join the group so that you're there and then rsvp to the event it's on the group it'll be pinned at the top if there's not one there just stay tuned it'll be there soon for the next event and if you're enjoying the show i ask that you please rate and review it on any of the audio platforms that you listen on uh, five stars would be greatly appreciated and it helps get it out to more people same goes for youtube if you're watching on youtube like subscribe hit the notification bell and uh, leave us a comment again these things just help get the algorithm, get this video out to more people and uh, grow the podcast. So without further ado, let's jump into episode 222. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got Darren Nill on the show and he is connected from some mutual acquaintances that I have. So uh, Darren, thanks for doing this, number one. And thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So tell me a little bit about why we're sitting here. Well, um, kind of like from you know where real estate started i've yeah. uh you know i i did post-secondary school graduated uh structural engineering okay so you're a structural engineer yep okay structural engineer um you know kind of came out of school did the you know went right into a corporate corporate role okay whereabouts were you working uh worked for a um 
consulting manufacturing company just out of, mm-hmm. outside of Brantford, Ontario. Okay. And, uh, you know, quickly decided after, you know, we spent this much time and energy going to school that uh, mm-hmm. sitting at a desk really wasn't going to gonna pencil out for me. Yeah. Who, who actually likes sitting at a desk long term? <laughs> I don't know. No. It's, it's not a thing for me anyways. So, yeah, from there I started to... Um, I went to a couple uh, uh, Keyspire seminars. Okay. Did you do like the summit, like the full membership? Yeah. Back okay. when it's gotten... Um, when it was Lifetime Wealth Academy? Or? Yes. Yes. Okay. Right, right, right from the start, did the weekend thing and, uh, you know, kind of took it from there. Okay. So, so what, what year would that have been? Like you would have been like 2016 or something like that? 20, 2013 is when I started. 2013? Was it? They were running back then? I'm trying to remember the first one because we used to do uh, the talks on mortgages at those events. And I'm trying to remember when that was. Like we might have even met each other way back when, before I had a podcast and, you know, was known for talking about this stuff. Um, so anyways, okay. So you started then what, like you were working full time at that point? Yep. And you're just kind of not really loving it. And were you were you approaching that with the angle, I want to find a way to replace this income and not need to work this job anymore? Yeah. Yes and no. I hadn't really realized the power of real estate. It was more, uh, I, I grew up working on a farm. So to go from working with my hands, I knew that wasn't, you know, the end goal where it was going to be, but to go from working with my hands every day to sitting at a desk mm-hmm. was a large adjustment for me that I probably yeah. really didn't think through as I was going oh, yeah. six years at school everybody uh, i think just kind of hears that you're supposed to go to school you know get a good job yes. which means not in the trades don't do things with your hands which to me is insane like i, I think that uh, it's one of the most noble things you can do to work with your hands and and create things and it just goes to to show the shortage of construction labor that we have that yeah I mean, we really need to start promoting that so i had went from you know i'd worked myself up to a manager in that department in a small um, small growing company started yeah. bought my first uh, uh, house which was a duplex conversion so it kind of worked in hand on some yeah. of my education work towards that so you were uh, like 2014 you were doing this 2013 some yep. Yep. so you did a duplex conversion back then that was really fresh back then there wasn't even much legislation for that but that was working Bradford yep. did you start yep okay so you were able to do it there uh, cash flow must have worked pretty well back then Worked very well. I mean, bought the first, I think I bought that house for 193. 193 purchase and you're renovating what, 50 grand or something? Yep. And uh, what were you able to get on rent after that? I mean, for the like the three bedroom upstairs, they probably at the time were in for you know, 1300 bucks. 13 on the upstairs and then downstairs would have been like what, 800 or 900? I moved in down there. You moved down? Yep. There you go, great house hack. Yep. So right from the start before you know, all of these things became talked about and more. It was very uncommon at that point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, duplexes were a thing, but the up-down conversion, that was new legislation around then. Yes. Uh, it took London until 20, I think, 17 or 18 to implement that. So it was still like to say, again, I did everything kind of on my own learning, stumbled through it, you know, worked yeah. with the inspectors, that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, I mean, at that time I was... 2013 i would have been 23 first okay. house mortgage was paid for had a little bit of extra money yeah and and it 
really opened my eyes to everything. Oh, that's amazing, right? Like that changes your entire financial picture when you no longer have to pay to live. Like your your upstairs covers your mortgage and now you're just like, okay, so how do I use my time to create more wealth? Exactly. Whereas most people, what they're doing is they're spending before they have the income to cover it and it's always an active income. <laughs> so they have to earn money to pay for their home, which they can never spend time at. <laughs> this is what real estate investors figured out. Well, I mean, the ones in like uh, 10 years ago really found it out well. Uh, and then it, it got harder and harder to do it. Yes. Still possible. Yep. But I think now you just got to keep your eyes open for the opportunity and where it works. Yeah. And it's, you know, harder to make the numbers pencil out now. Yeah. But again, it's, it's time in the market. Yeah. Time in the market. Also, I think, um, understanding how to make a deal work, right? Like getting creative confidence to get creative. And that's time in the market that that'll allow you to do that. But you got to start. Yeah, you do have to start. So if you were starting right now, what would you do? I mean, I would tell anyone else, you know, similar, try to do something similar to what we start when you're young before you yeah. understand your your current expenses. So if you can do it while you're at home before you buy that first house, then, then yeah. great. But even if, you know, you're outside renting, it's you need to start by understanding your finances. Live beneath your income. Mm-hmm and you know start working towards eventually yeah. buying that house because yeah even if it's that duplex or triplex that allows you to get into the market they're going to use that other rental income from those other units mm -hmm. to help qualify you exactly yeah and and that's the big thing like you can do a house hack also and it won't the bank won't really appreciate this but you can do uh renting out bedrooms right like lots of people to do that and that's a great way like don't try and keep up with the Joneses when you're getting started. Like I lived with family for most of my twenties so that I could keep getting mortgages. Like I, right. I sacrificed hugely so that I could grow my real estate portfolio and not have my own home. Um, like, I think that, that that's something that if you're willing to do that before you have kids, I mean, you should be willing, <laughs> uh, because once you have kids, you sure won't be doing that. Yes. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the thought I have, but yeah, so for sure the house hack, uh, the up, down duplex, like, that's still a viable strategy. Of course, now it's probably your third unit. Uh, if you can go out and build it yourself, maybe you get a good deal. <laughs> um, it's obviously getting much more expensive to, to build stuff, but um, there's still an angle, there's still creative deals. And the most important thing, like you said, is starting and then constantly analyzing deals, like daily. If you're new, you're daily analyzing deals, running numbers, going through zoning, uh, bylaws, finding out what you can do, can't do, visiting City Hall. I would do all that stuff. I was in City Hall so well that they knew me, you know, and just asking them questions. Hey, what if I did this? Hey, what about this property? Um, these are the things that help you get going. So you've, uh, you, you mentioned to me, you've done some other podcasts. You've, you've obviously uh, accomplished a few things. Tell me a bit more about the story. Like you learned the power of real estate, you were house hacking. What, what happened after? So from there, um, we were in, uh, again, a lot of our, our, we started in Brantford, Ontario. So we were able to um, really focus on the downtown, which was where Laurier was growing. So we bought, um, you know, we bought from right after that, it was like, okay, what's, what's next? So we bought a duplex, we bought a triplex, we bought a fourplex. Okay. And, you know, it was not all together at the same time. It was buy one fresh reef. Typical burr. Like do a burr Refresh and it, buy buy another with that money. Step into the next one. Okay. Then, um, you know, the third one 
you know, my, my parents finally awakened to this real estate thing that I had been talking to them. So we partnered on, on the fourplex to go from there. And then at that point, um, you know, I was out at actual, uh, a meetup and I met my business partner there okay. and, you know, from there we had, uh, you know, he was, he was quite a bit older than me, had, uh, 20 plus years in, in real estate. And I was kind of getting to the point where it's like, okay, we've done, you know, we've done these four properties. You know, where does, where does the money come? How do we continue to, how do we continue to, to do grow, this? Yeah. And I really hadn't thought about, you know, I was still working my day job at the time. I really hadn't thought about you know, transferring this into a business. Um, but from there we partnered up, we did a couple, we, again, we did another couple duplex conversions, a triplex conversion, just to kind of see if the fit would work. Yeah, like why, why bring a partner in on that? Well, to complement skills that I didn't have. Yeah. So I'm very strong in the, the, the technical, the construction aspect, but the raising funds part, which yeah. I didn't have, it was all foreign to me. I did not have yeah. any background in that. Some people just like it. Like my friend Mike and I partnered with him on on uh, like starting up a company to flip properties and it was basically a conversation like this it's like well you find the deals he's like i'll just make sure there's always money like and not even mortgages like there was just you know here's four hundred thousand dollars in the account and uh to me that was like great yes. <laughs> i'll run with that you get the money exactly yeah. and that's that's more or less how our partnership works now like it's so we've realized that uh you know multifamily and mixed use was where we wanted to be it was allowing us to, to focus in older parts of downtowns in these cities which needed revitalization there was grants available we were getting breaks on development fees which cities so we're Brantford Brant County we're south so in Norfolk so there's three small towns we like to focus on Simcoe Simcoe Waterford yeah. Waterford Delhi well Waterford's really small yep. really small Delhi we just bought a truck in Waterford we're actually picking it up today <laughs> well, tomorrow <you> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah, so, so very small towns. I mean, that's like like my childhood. Those those places because Tilsonburg's right next to it. Yep. Yeah, but small towns where we're seeing, as yeah. we've seen, especially through COVID, we've seen the growth and the sprawl, or everyone thinking that they're going to be able to work from home forever. Yeah, they continue to push out. So a lot of the Brantford saw a lot of growth. Yeah, the people in Brantford and Paris continued to expand out. And yeah, at that time we were doing one of our larger projects in Waterford, and we were like. Yeah. No one knows about this place. Are we going to have issues? Yeah. Well, with present circumstance, it seems fairly evident that if there's a structure standing, <laughs> there's going to be somebody who wants to either rent it or own it yes. and live in it. When you have lack of housing, it's like people just keep looking. Where can I afford? They don't. I mean, it's almost less of a consideration that they'll spend hours driving yep. uh, to go to work. They just need a place to live. Exactly. Affordable, like, you know, reasonably affordable. So we found that a lot of these, um, well, the people in the, the Brantfords and as those grew, they came out and we didn't have any issues. You know, our, our concern was these smaller, who wants to live in these smaller, smaller towns, but people want to yeah. live anywhere. Their bedrooms is what they are. Exactly. I, I could never wrap my head around this. I spent like 10 years, uh, probably seven, trying to figure out what makes a good market, what doesn't. I could not rationalize it in my, my head. So I knew I liked London. Um, but I couldn't figure out like why would somebody invest in Tilsonburg, you know, when they could invest in London or Woodstock or you know something on the corridor, and then it became so much clearer as as prices started to shoot up why people do it. 
it was always a deal to go to these towns. It was a lot more, sorry, it was a lot less bankable 10 years ago. Now it's just like, it's golden, or at least it feels that way. Like, and nothing's ever, you know, for sure. But um, when you have so many people coming into this country and they just, you know, it's either A, too expensive to build more or B, too restricted, um, whatever's there and standing, odds are it's going to do okay. And as we continued to work in these small towns, we found that, you know, although a little bit slow, the government was very receptive to the growth, mm -hmm. which compounded what we were doing as well. And they, uh, they're they much less rigid in small towns. Like they, they don't have as much structure in their city halls. Like it's like, oh, well, yeah, that sounds okay to us. It's not like, hey, let me check our paperwork. It's like, uh, what are you thinking? Okay, yeah, I think we can get behind that. <laughs> very much yeah. so. Yep. Yeah, and that's kind of nice in a way. There's there's pros and cons to that. Yep. Because when they are less organized, it you know can make things go challenging sometimes. But uh, generally speaking, yeah, I kind of like dealing with the smaller towns. And they've treated us very well to the point where we've kind of doubled down. So we 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 moved out from Brantford and Brant County again. We still own yeah. property and manage stuff there. And then um, you know we did uh, eighteen units in Waterford. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, renovated an old, um, it was a really old factory. We built a microbrewery in there. Nice. Really cool project. So you're taking stuff and converting use now? Yes. And who's handling the development side of things with the... So we handle all of that in-house. Like you and your partner handle it together equally? Or who's like the, the point man uh, dealing with the city? So, on, yeah, that would be myself. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And are you hiring urban planners or are you just doing it yourself? You're going to site plan meetings yourself? So on the so on the projects that we're doing now, where we're actually developing land, our consultant team, so our planners or architects are working with us. So you do have an urban planner. Okay, this must yeah. be a bigger project. Yeah. So we do, and we can into some future stuff as yeah. we've kind of doubled down out there. But yeah, so it was very much started with, you know, this particular building. We bought it permit ready, ready to go. It, it was just a, an odd thing that I came up on Kijiji. What is it? Tell me what it is. So it was an old, it was an old warehouse. We had like how many two, square feet? Two level warehouse, 9,000 a floor. So it was 18,000 square feet. Okay. We did, uh, and this old gentleman, just very ambitious, you know, old guy in his eighties thought he could do it all himself in real estate. It was just, he just never really got it through that he couldn't actually do this. So we put it up on Kijiji and we called him the next day saying like, <laughs> what's actually going on here and who needs a realtor is it's going on kijiji exactly yeah. someone will buy the right person will find it on kijiji yeah but small town and uh, yeah so we uh you know went through a couple months of due diligence etc and uh yeah we we closed on the building so it was two commercial units so mixed use and then uh 16 one bedrooms kind of in and around the two commercial units so you had 18,000 square feet with residential units attached to it? No, it's so included in the 18,000 square uh, feet, so mixed use. So oh, okay. The street fronts are commercial. Okay. And then on the second level and in behind in that same Okay, and what's are. it look like? Is it like a, an old building? Yep, like, like an old, it'd be like 1900s architecture, okay. you know, large windows, tall ceilings. And how many units did you say yep. there were? So, 16, 16 one bedrooms and then the two, and then the two commercials. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm trying to get a picture from this. This is something you might see on the main street of a of an older town. Yep, when you're Breaking driving through and you're on the main street there. Yes, that's why it all adds up now. Um, 
Okay, so I got a good good mental picture for that. So you bought that with what intent? So we bought it with the intent to to again we didn't have the intent to renovate to completely renovate it. So we did everything from you know ripping the brick facade out and putting on a brand new facade to the the inside was just an open shell. You know, beam and mm-hmm. column structure. Yeah. Kind of use your imagination. Well, why would you want to get rid of the facade? Because that's like the charm of the old town, like the brick facade. Uh, that was more uh, uh, just deteriorating. It was just not in good condition anymore? What'd you replace it with? New brick. Oh, you did re-bricked it? Yep. Uh, so you knocked out the whole brick wall and re-bricked it? So again, an old, very old traditional, it was actually a triple brick. Triple brick. Okay, so you just took off the first layer? Yep. Oh, all right. Put on a brand new layer. Yep. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, I thought you got rid of the brick. I'm like, no, no you can't do no. that. No, it pains me to go through, you know, older downtown places where someone has just sided over a nice brick. Yeah. A nice brick with you know traditional architecture that we don't see anymore. Man, the way they used to build houses. Like I look at all these new houses and then you just look, go down like an old Victorian area of like Woodstock or London and you see these incredible homes. I'm like, why don't they just build that now? Like that is so classy. Like it's going to be classy in another 20 years. Whereas some of these modern looks, maybe they don't fly in 20 years. Uh, it's hard to know what's going to be around, but then we yeah. we look at to put dollars to actually build what they, they what they did you then. think it'd be that much harder yeah because now to get it to you know to pass all the structural stuff i don't know like i think it could be done but yeah you're right you're probably gonna spend yeah yeah that's uh so, so the other option is just go find the existing shell and build within it yeah yeah for sure so that one kind of fell on our lap again very successful and when project. was this so we finished that we actually started that april of 2020 so just after right right as things, things were happening so, yep and then we um, finished that in uh, spring of 21. And when you say finished, you just renovated the units. Was it vacant when you got it? No, like, it, yeah, completely vacant building. The Again, it was 16 just... 16 vacant units plus vacant commercial? But it wasn't even really units. It was just like open open structure. So was the, was it, so it was approved for 16. So the guy had already done the environmental to convert the commercial. Like, was it at one point residential as well? Yes, way back. Way it back, was. but then it went to full commercial. So you're bringing it back to mixed use. So they wanted the the environmentals passed. Was there any environmental issues with the building? Nope. No, and they had to do phase one or phase one and phase two. Do you know? Nope, just the just the phase one. Phase one. Everything was everything was clean. The old guy had wanted to do condos. Okay, come in and said, you know, yeah, condos really isn't what we do, but we can make these numbers work for rentals right right okay yeah actually a friend of mine did something similar or is in the process of doing something similar with the uh newspaper building in st thomas the full commercial turning it into i don't know it's like 20 some odd uh condo units well what will be condo units eventually uh so interesting project so you purchased it for how much Six hundred and forty thousand. wow that sounds low and that was what was the real estate market doing right before it was it was busy but not crazy it was moving up but not crazy um okay and then what did you renovate that like that's a that's a big project you're talking basically how, how many square feet per one bedroom unit uh they average about uh six seven hundred square feet okay and then plus your common areas like your hallways and stuff uh what did what did it cost you to do all those renovations so we were just under two million to do all the rentals we were 2.5 all in 2.5 all in. Okay, so 
let's uh, let's look at what your rents would be. So on average, what were your rents per uh, per unit? They they average around fifteen sixteen hundred for one bedroom unit. Fifteen fifty, we'll say. So you got fifteen fifty times sixteen. You said. And then what about the commercial units? Did you do something to those as well? Yep. So we had the, we had built out the, um, so we had 1800 square feet where we built out the microbrewery there. So that okay. one rents for we're 12 bucks a square foot there. So we're 1800 a month. 1800 a month on that one? Yep. How big is that commercial unit you said? 1800. 1800 square feet. It's 1800 square feet. Sorry. Yep. Missed that. Um, and then the other. So space. 1800 square feet times 12 then? No, no. So it's. For commercial, it would be um, that's your yearly. Oh, yearly. Okay. So we're, we're yeah, got gotcha. a square foot a month. Buck a square foot a month ish. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So eighteen hundred a year, um, and then you have another commercial unit as well, right? So in the other, it's a thirteen hundred square foot uh, office. And so that's going to be thirteen hundred. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that works out to be twenty seven thousand seven hundred or uh, nine hundred a month. So this building's pulling in a fair bit. Um, what do you uh, what are you into for taxes, property taxes there a year? Property, that's a good question. Um, they're they were still because of the old. Building. Haven't assessed it. No, still not. So we're still not. Oh, they're gonna slap you one day. Yeah, and yeah, they're gonna, gonna tax get, you for three, four previous we're years. Get, we're gonna get hit pretty hard. Probably like, what twenty five thousand a year. You figure? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Insurance-wise, what are you paying on that? I think it's about six thousand a year. That's not bad at all. That's wild. Six thousand a year. What are you insuring half of it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we have uh, fantastic brokers. Oh, okay. Guess you'll have to share the contact with me. <laughs> um, utilities. What do you What are you into for like, and what do you pay for there? So um, we when we actually built it, all of the utilities are billed back to the tenants. Or they have them in their own names, so we just have uh, we just have common electrical there. Common electrical, so you're what like fifteen hundred a year or something like that. Yeah, yeah that's not bad. Um, does each unit have its own like uh, mini split or like yep. heat so we, pump? We had built them exactly like how the the older gentleman wanted it with condos. So each one has their own furnace with air conditioner. So they've got their own. Oh, they have an air handler. Yep. Is it an air handler or it's a furnace? Full furnace. Full so, furnace and, a, and an AC. How do they make that work? Is it is it a furnace that can just, uh, like a two-stage that can run on the lower stage? Because they're, otherwise they're too powerful, right? And we'll undersize them accordingly. So like instead of your traditional two-ton air conditioning unit, you get a smaller little fella, one-ton guy. Yeah. And then same with the, the furnace. So, we're often so it's like a 20,000 BTU furnace or something? No, like there's still, again, with the two stages. So it's a 40,000 that can operate at 20 or 18, yeah. something yeah. like that. And then they just program it to run at one stage. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So that's, that's very cool. I love how things could just be um, totally separated like that. Now water would still be centrally metered. So yes, and then we've got submeters on, so we build back the tenants. That's such a pain in the butt. You have a service to to do that? No, we do that. We do that in house. But okay, who chases them for the money? We build it right into their rent. Do you do a flat rate in their rent, or you just nope? So we'll, do auto deduct it out of their their so accounts. We'll, we have a submeting system where we can, you know, it's all transferred over the internet. Yeah, and we'll just have someone in accounting, you know, at the start of every month. Read that. Tell you what they owe. Yep. And Put then it on the invoice. It goes on their ledger. 
yeah and when they're paying their rent for the following month they're paying that water what bill. program do they use to pay rent like how how do your tenants pay your rent there yeah, so we're using yardy for rent yardy yeah. so they can pay right through yardy yep. oh okay yeah yardy is like the old school property management software right so it's now it's i'm sure they brought it up to date like yeah. online but portal forever online portal so what's it look like if you wanted to use something like yardy like what are the benefits and yeah costs i mean um similar to any property manager the we have the benefits i would say to the tenants are you know all of communication is captured on there mm -hmm. they can anytime there's a maintenance request they're going through the system and entering a request so we're tracking that it then comes to our system we're then assigning it to you know either in-house maintenance or assigning it to a vendor mm -hmm. kind of thing like that they can log on to you know look at their their lease ledger at any point in time slash um you know print off for tax purposes that kind of thing mm -hmm. and then in-house on our side it just it encompasses everything everything from maintenance so, to accounting so when they go in and want to pay like is it they can do a direct debit out of their account can they do an e-transfer like can they do it all like a bill payment are they a bill payee yep. on on all the big banks uh not s through through the portal similar to how you'd log into any yeah. any type of portal you can just go and make like it's like an inter interact transaction very similar yeah all right yeah so that's handy so do you get people paying with credit cards or no yep that functions there as well so, so they can pay on a credit card they can yeah. So if it means you getting paid, you're willing to pay the three percent fee. We we that goes back to the tenant. You, they have to pay. They if oh, they want say, the convenience of the credit card. You just say then, you pay the fee. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, that's perfect. I'd let them all pay with credit card. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you want the points? Pay the three percent. That makes tons of sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so very cool. What's that cost you? The, the service is it a flat rate or is it a per unit? It it works out to it's I think it's like four hundred bucks a a month 400 bucks a month so if you scale up your portfolio it still stays 400 to a certain point and then it'll go up to the next tier yeah okay that sounds awesome though like i like like if you're going to self-manage that's one of those things that yes you would want you need to have i would say up to a certain you can do so many things with spreadsheets but yeah. up to a certain point it's it just makes your life so much easier so pendo pen.do is something i used for quite some time which uh you can take direct withdrawals out of their accounts, like have that automated, put your, upload your leases. It has ma it has management tools. So it's it's probably a much more affordable version of Yardy that's not quite as good. Right. Uh, so that's an alternative that I've used, uh, but it sounds like the one you've got is great. So this is why uh, for self-management tools, I have a 1% in here, which works out to be uh, 3,300 a year. What is that? Is that, yeah. Okay, so it, you're a little bit more than 1% with that software if you just allocate it to that building, but you have other stuff too. Correct. Yep. Right. So I'm just going to leave that at 1% um, for your sort of management tools expense because you're self-managing then, right? Yes. And then you have some boots on the ground that you occasionally send out to do stuff. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Landscaping and snow. Uh, I mean, if you were to average that out, it was, uh, call it uh, 500 bucks a month kind of thing. So $6,000 for the year. Okay. And then um, miscellaneous, I always have just like 500 bucks in there. But do you have any other costs that I haven't uh, covered, like uh, garbage and yep. cleaning? Yep, we have garbage and then we clean the common areas as well as, you know, we put an elevator in the building. So we've got miscellaneous licensing fees, et cetera, for that. So if you throw in another um, probably 800 bucks a month for, for all that miscellaneous stuff, garbage, garbage cleaning, cleaning yeah. yeah, okay. So you go 800 times. 
12. Okay, so 9,600 a year for all that stuff. Okay. So now the fun part. So you're all in for like 2.6 or 2.5, you said. Um, what what did you buy it for? I'm sorry, never mind. I already did that part. So you, you're all in for, for 2.6. Uh, what did you get it appraised for at the end? So when we did our takeout financing after stabilization, we were 3.7. 3.7. And to get it to that point, like stabilization was every unit was rented out. Every unit rented for a year. Every unit rented for one year. Okay. So how long did it take you to get to that point? So from the point of... You started April 2020. Yep. To the point where we moved everyone in and was stabilized. So we finished in the spring of 21 and then occupancy, call it summer of 21 and then summer of 22. Is when you got the refi. Okay. So... In that time, when you tell me like you're in for about 2.5, did that cover all the carrying costs? So eventually at some point, like even when you were, were you private mortgages up to that point? Did the seller give you a VTB? Yes. Okay. So you had the 600 or not the full VTB. Did he give you a full VTB? Uh, I mean, it was like 500 or something. No, it was, yeah. So he gave you a good VTB. What did you guys do to cover the 2 million? So we actually brought in, so again, small town story, the, the gentleman that worked in real estate, he said, I know someone that lends on construction real estate all the time. So this gentleman arranged for our financing of the construction, brought in a first, so we had a first position for the construction financing. And then the VTB was in second. In the second position. And at that time, everything finished, reappraised, everyone, everyone was paid back. Nice. So when you were doing that construction mortgage, you were probably 10% or so or plus. Okay. And just paying on what you've drawn. Is that how they did it? Yep. Yeah. Three construction draws. And then you did it over three draws. Okay. So in the interim, when you're waiting to get your draws and you're, you're waiting on your inspections, you guys were floating things in the, in the meantime. So you had a little bank of cash to draw on. Yes. You strained yourself a little bit. Very stressful. Yeah. That's for all the things in COVID and our first project of that size, it was uh, a lot of learning. Oh man. Yeah. So I know the feelings I've, I've been through it. I was, I, I've just had a house that was supposed to close and I was going to pay out some some private money in one of my Florida houses. And uh, the day before, the, the buyers backed out. <laughs> they gave up their deposit. They walked away. So anyways. Um, and then, so now it's like, oh, well, I have all these things I had planned with that money <laughs> that I now have to find other money uh, for. So anyways, fun. You know, this is that's why we, we love real estate. Yeah, that's why we do it, right? Um, okay, so did you go like CMHC, um, MLI Select or anything like that? Or So because of the, we were looking into that option, we did go with a traditional CMHC. Traditional CMHC, so what, what amortization did you get? Uh, we, I think it was 40 years we were able to get on that. 40, that's all right. Uh, and then what, what dollar amount did you get against that 3.7 valuation? They did 85%. An actual true 85 of this, the 3.7? Oh, wow. So right, that's sorry, like 3.1 mil. Sorry, they were going to do, they would did 85% if we were 100% residential. So we ended up being like 82%. 82. So trimmed it back a little bit. So does that, does around 3 million sound right? Yep. That's what, okay. So around 3 million, uh, 40 year AM, what interest rate? 4.5%. 4.5. Yeah. You can probably still get around that now with CMHC programs, right? Somewhere in around there again. Yeah. yeah. And it is nice to see that interest rates are. Oh yeah, so so 
the uh, overnight rate stabilizing and, and the bond yields are just going to do what they're going to do. Uh, although our government will try and manipulate them with you know, buying and selling. But uh, yeah, it, I mean, the market seems to seems to be planning for a recession. So um, that means demand for the bonds is going up. We're seeing yields come down a bit. Um, okay, so about this project, we are seeing, I mean, for you, let's just do a quick number. If you're getting a mortgage of the uh, 3 million minus what you had into it, which I, I know I was a little conservative here. You, you guys got over $400,000 back, like in your pockets. That's the kind of burr that you like. That's fantastic burr. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that's the that's a grand slam there. Um, so it took some time, took some stress. Obviously your time's into it, which you can't really quantify here, right? Like you're managing it, but I like the idea of insourcing, like you're, you're bringing the team together, you are, uh, having the tools internally so that if, you know, whoever's doing your management or whoever you have boots on the ground doesn't work out, you could just replace them. You still have everything set up. Whereas if you farm that out to an external management company, you might be like I was with my student rentals early on and like not even know who my tenants are. I literally didn't know. I had no numbers, no emails. I had nothing. Yep. That's not a good place to be. That's why I like the insourcing thing. Like still hire help, but know who your tenants are. Yeah. And live a lot of the time, you know, exterior management will, will try to mitigate something. So you're, you're, finding out something three four months where it's yeah they don't they don't tell you you don't know you don't have your finger on the pulse yeah i just i've never been a fan like and not to say you can't do it um but i've just i've never never really been that comfortable with anyone i've hired but i mean maybe if i had had an amazing property manager maybe i'd feel different so who knows but anyways looks like you guys got like eighty five hundred dollars a month in cash flow on this bad boy and what do you do with all that money? The four hundred grand in your pocket plus another eighty five hundred must be burning a hole. <laughs> so we we continue to roll that into new projects. So new that project. goes into you know future acquisitions. You know at that mm -hmm. point we've we're continuing to build out you know construction, purchasing yeah. land. So yeah, give give me an example of of what what you've done after that and taking that money to do. So after that, we then moved to. Um, a small town again just outside of Tilsonburg, Delhi, where we did uh, we did eight units in Delhi, where we again bought an old building that was a bank. Um, so some fun renovations where we actually turned a one bedroom unit um, with bank vaults in it. So we cut through some abnormally large concrete to uh, to accommodate some units within this bank. Interesting. From there, you know, we purchased the neighboring property, um, which was a single story commercial building. Added a couple levels on that. Again, all within the same mixed use. So we're commercial on the front, residential like above and. So that's the general the mo. They're all main streets, small towns, and these these towns are playing ball with you. They like the idea of what you're saying, and yep. they're all favorable to to what we we don't. Um, anything that we're asking, we're generally working within the guidelines that the cities. You know, line for yeah. us, we're not. So like you're not you're not going in and changing zoning. You're saying this is existing mixed use. We'll do that. Yeah. Um, who are you finding? Like you had the brewery on the one, but who is the other tenant? Um, so in these smaller towns, there'll be like established businesses. So we've had good luck in the smaller spaces with insurance companies. Yeah, I was gonna say insurance brokers, mortgage brokers, real estate offices. Those are probably like the three easiest. Yep. And there we kind of stay in that bread and butter on the the size that they want and uh you know they'll be we'll approach them in their old building that where they're at and say hey we're building a new building down the road are you interested in new office space 
and it's worked out multiple times for us. So you just go right into wherever you see them and say, <laughs> want to come, come nuts. Some of those smaller operators, they'll be yeah. owner operators, right? So with yeah, some of them will walk in and actually talk to the decision maker right there. That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, like what you're saying, this just goes back to like, you just got to start. Like, cause a lot of that, like, that's not hard to fathom. Like just going in and having a conversation, Hey, we own the building down the road, really nice, newly renovated office. Are you interested in that? And so they say, well, what's it going to cost me? Yeah. <laughs> and then you say, well, I'll give you a sweet deal. <laughs> yep. And what do you have to say? Like when that conversation comes up to, to get, you know, get them interested, like, is they're probably paying very discounted and, you know, some old house that's been kind of retrofitted. So we kind of go through the, the pros and cons. It's like, Hey, you know, whether they, they own the existing building that's, you know, in poor shape and their landlord, you know, does or doesn't do the repairs. So obviously, you know, a new space is going to come at a certain cost, mm-hmm. but also, you know, the services that we provide, we're, we'll charge a premium, but we're, we've got the services to, to back up what we're charging. So to certain people, it, it doesn't, it doesn't fly, but for that clientele that's looking for that type of space, it's, it's quite often a nice fit. Mm-hmm. So just, you're just poaching existing tenants down on the main street. <laughs> <laughs> Have anything else that's worked? Have you listed on realtor.ca? Have you uh, have you posted ads to find commercial tenants or it's all just been going up and approaching existing? No, so we'll still on on realtor various, you know, mm-hmm. however we're getting our marketing out. Mm-hmm. But we're we're the within these smaller towns, it um, it's quite off we aren't getting large we aren't getting businesses outside of those towns that are comfortable moving there yet because the population base isn't there. So they're businesses that are already there, that their businesses have done well, mm-hmm. and they they know that the community's there to support them or have validated that you know, I can run an office space here and still continue business kind of thing. And they're just looking to relocate. So quite often we're not getting large chains that are... No, you're not going to get your you know, shopper's drug mart or whatever, but you're not big enough for that either. Right, right. Yeah, so... Um, so you're getting some interesting tenants, um, like it makes sense tenants. And I mean, I think a lot of people would think in a smaller town like that, the worry is how will I find a tenant? And it seems like your recipe is sort of just make yours better. And you said services, what services, like, what are you offering them beyond just like a decent place that isn't falling apart? Well, it'll be, um, I mean, your service within a, um, a commercial lease would be, you know, maintenance. Yeah. So, so you guys are handling all maintenance? Yep. So their lease will be, you know, their triple net leases where, you know, they're incurring some of that expense. But, but it's you guys facilitate it. We're taking care of all of that. So and is there a prescribed rate? Like all repairs will be done at this price, like, and like that's built back to you kind of thing? Yeah. Like we'll outline depending on the, uh, um, the repair that's needed that there's, you know, flat rate to have a look at it. And then we'll, we'll go from there. But if it's, um, the kind of service where we're, we're going to be there a lot faster than yeah. you know, any vendor that they call up kind of thing. And you have your own like full-time maintenance people that you send out? Yep. Okay. And then as well as that, so it's it's you know, just going above and beyond in these smaller towns, which again would be, we call them typical services that you'd see in a larger, a larger town that just these smaller towns just haven't caught up. So whether yeah. it's the garbage service that we're, there's a central bin and everything gets picked up once a week or your snows. So you guys do the central bin and the, yeah, that's big, right? All that stuff, like a good snow contractor having, yeah, disposal bin. Yeah. So for you, what's, what, 
what pays for the daily living? Is it your existing rental portfolio? Because yep. it doesn't sound like you're really pulling anything out of out of these. No, so we're very much still in in growth mode. Um, yeah. So it's yeah the the current operating business is what you know, we pull out to to live, but it's still very much everything is for any project that's completed and moved. It's it's or refinanced. That money then goes into the next thing. So yeah. it's, we're we're doubling down on you know we've purchased a bunch of lands and we're going to start developing in these in these small towns. Okay, and so when you approach them to say develop a piece of land, like what type of plans are they open to? As long as again we're not changing the zoning, so we're so you're staying within zoning. So what kind of land are you buying, and what are you trying to do? Um, So these smaller towns, again, either whether they're we're we've experienced a lot of urban sprawl in these small towns, so we'll focus more on that downtown. Oh, just existing downtown core. Where there's, you know, there may well, be... where a, are you finding land in the downtown core? Like, we're talking, like, small towns of the main street strip. Yep. But... There'll be... The land... It may not be, you know, a vacant piece of land, but it may be a good-sized lot that's got a very poor structure on it. Like a house or something else. Or, a, you know, we bought a, a piece of land that had an old service station. An old... They had gas old station. used cars. Yeah. Old gas station. Yeah. And they tried to sell cars for years, and it was... Clean environmental? Yes. And nothing in the ground, like the tanks are gone. Yep. We yeah, had to okay. pull the tanks and did all of... All you did that. Oh, yep. so you did the environmental. So do you get a big discount when you go in and offer to do that? You must, because people don't want to deal with it. So and it depends on the... If the seller doesn't want to take the risk on that, so in this, he did not. So, so he didn't even want to risk the environmental study. He wouldn't even let us do a Yeah, of course not, because as soon as you discover it, he has to disclose it. So, so he, he won't let you do it. So it's just a pure gamble, and you guys obviously were willing to take it. So what in your mind was, give me the parameters of what you were thinking. Like you, you knew what you were buying it for. Um, what did you think remediation might cost if it went that way? Um, can you kind of describe the deal and what it looked like? Yep. So it was, uh, again, an existing service station where we knew we had to knock down the building, get an environmental. So we did, we did our phase one environmental for this and, and knowing that there was oil tanks and previous gas tanks it was for sure going to a phase why would two. they even do a phase one you should just go straight to phase two <laughs> no, i guess you can't <laughs> in those cases you know there's going to be a phase two and phase two is where they actually do soil testing Correct. and they'll do other tests too right yep so we'll often do yeah. our they'll do the drilling to do the soil we'll do our geotechnical as well for our new structure so you're doing geotech to check density so that you can because you're going to need that for part of your site plan application so you're doing that all at once so when they're core drilling you just get your environmental company out to just take a sample yep okay so so we'll often have those teams come together so that geotech doesn't need to come back and do his own drilling later so oh because that's like so expensive the one development i did was like eighteen thousand dollars for the core drilling for the geotech So. so then we'll go through in our and again in this particular deal we took on all the risk of worst case scenario of and did you have a candid discussion with the seller about this to an extent the in particular this seller was you know he was take it or leave it was he a listed guy like was it listed or were you dealing directly with no it was it was listed on them and that's the hard part right if you're talking with them directly but yeah there's another bird chirping in his ear ah just tell him take it or leave it so it was a you know it was a deeply discounted price on the land but again we're taking all the risk risk yeah so what would you end up paying for it? So we bought that uh, half acre piece of land for three fifty. Three fifty half acre in which city? That's in Delhi. In Delhi, I guess town. 
not a city. What's the population? Ten thousand? Yeah, something like that. So it's not nothing. Like it, it's a decent town. Like yep. uh, okay, so uh, so you're in for three fifty. But I mean, if you, how far would you have had to dig down? Like, could you have been spending a couple hundred grand uh, remediating? Yeah, I think we had kind of penciled in. You know, at the worst case, we'd be you know hundred to hundred and fifty if we're removing like a large of large amount of soil. soil yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it was. I guess you had no idea if there was any cracks in the tanks ever or anything like that. And he was not allowed to operate it because his tanks were probably way too old, right? Yeah, and he had he had actually purchased another dealership years and years ago and mm-hmm. kind of just left this one to to fall apart more or less. Mm-hmm. And then it just had come to time where he needed the capital from that land. To- so what did it cost you to rip down that building and pull the tanks out of the ground? So we were we we're about seventy five thousand to, to do. do all that, just dispose of it. And then the testing was on top of that, which you got into what, like twenty grand in testing? No, so we were, we did the whole environmental for fifty, fifty the tanks and doing oh, that was all two. part of it. Yep. And so then about twenty five to you know we to do the core drilling and stuff, yeah. and then to, like twenty five to rip it down. Okay, twenty five to rip down that the building. Yeah, it wasn't a large, wasn't a large building. That feels like a lot. I feel like you used to be able to, to tear things down for cheaper, but. Then again, I have never actually tear, torn something down to dispose of it. So <laughs> I've built new. I've never, I've never torn down. Um, actually, I tore down an old garage, but we like did it by hand. <laughs> <laughs> we just started pulling pieces out. Um, okay, so interesting gamble. What was what was the long play on that? Like, what what were you planning to do? So we're planning to. Uh, we're actually going to be building condos on that site. How many? That is uh, twenty three residential and two commercial. Okay, so sticking with the mixed use because that's what they wanted. Yep. So as long as you have, and what percentage split do they want on it? So with um, the current zoning in that municipality, you need to keep fifty percent of your main level, main right? level commercial. So it's always street fronting fifty. So street fronting, so you can do residential on the back, and that's what you've set it up for. Yep. So we'll do a residential, or if there's any amenities in the building, mm-hmm. using like that ground. All floor the main floor. level, yeah. That's so cool. Um, what's it look like? I mean, the hardest thing with development is just the burn because of the time, because everything takes forever. Like, what kind of timeline are you on that one, and where are you at with it? So we, again, we're kind of venturing into a space where we haven't done pre-sale condos, um, but we're so we would be we're a year in now. You're a year in. Yep. So in the first year, you did all the remediation, got rid of all that stuff. Yep. We've put together our drawings and our marketing information. So we've, we're about to submit for SBA. Okay. At our pre-consults and, and been through all that. Did you do the pre-consultation before you even tore down the? Yes. Yeah. You Did you do that before you even bought it? Like, was that part of your no, due diligence? I would love to do that, but we're again, small county, pretty slow. Yeah. So they're slow. Um, so you just figured, Hey, we're within the zoning. They're not going to say no, it's just going to be a how. That's correct. Yep. Yeah. So then we're so we're a year in. We prepared all of our um, marketing information. We're gonna we've built out um, like a sales center in one of our adjacent buildings to to, uh, to launch these condos. So we we've anticipated you know roughly a year for sales, mm-hmm. and then so then the following, if everything goes well with the sales and we're able to um, meet our meet our sales target, qualify mm-hmm. for financing, that we'll be building at some point next year. Oh wow, you guys move quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tr- the trick uh, getting pre sales done. Those are those are obviously challenging. Do you have a somebody lined up, a realtor you're working with, so and, a local realtor that does a lot of our 
our deals is, is yeah. uh and how are you taking them how are you pricing them like on a per square foot basis like do you know where your price point's going to be for this condos um not so like they'll again everyone's concerned about the sticker price right so they're uh i think we've got our one bedrooms in the uh like 350 range mm-hmm. and the two bedrooms are uh up in the mid fives and average square foot for a unit uh the ones are in the six to sevens mm-hmm. and then the the twos are from like 650 to 850 kind of thing nice okay well that's really cool i mean obviously there's a lot of stresses that come with that um are you financing any of this like so so far you're in for what like 450 500 000. well probably closer to 550 once you're done with all your consultants and everything like that um and then you're looking at so you guys are just coming in with cash from your other projects probably to do that yeah to a certain extent like we'll quite often um we've got a, a great pool of um of uh private financers yeah so quite often the bank isn't again with environmental issues and yeah rundown building will come in and yeah private first position mortgage finance everything else that we need all the soft costs etc yeah. from previous projects and then once we've got the sales and the plan to take yeah. to the bank, then we're taking so, and paying out that first. When you look at your burn rate, like what it costs you on a month, like what what do you figure it is on that project? Like are you like five grand a month to carry it? Yeah, it would be somewhere around in there. Yeah, so you're five grand a month to carry it. So you know that a, a year is costing you, what is that? Five times, so you're like 60? 60, 60 grand a year. Um, so you're a couple of years, uh, you know, on the onset, I guess you just build that into your numbers and you know, it works. Some people's developments, like I've talked to people, I'm not going to name names. Like, you know, you're like 60, 70, 80,000 a month, <laughs> depending on what you're doing. Yes. And like, that'll make you sweat. And then your, your mortgage renewal comes up. And with these private mortgages, you're like 3% again to renew it. <laughs> Which is part of why, again, we're in the early stages of learning, we've learned a lot of those things, but staying in the smaller markets yeah. with the price ranges, it's a little bit easier to swallow and manage. That's what that I like risk. about what you're telling me. Cause like you're, you're, you're burning on 500 instead of on, you know, 5 million, right. And the 5 million projects are probably a lot of fun, but I mean, I'd rather burn on the 500 and then, you know, once you get real confident with those small ones and you know what you're doing, then you start taking off the bigger ones. Yep. Yeah. That's real cool. So you've just, I, like, I love about your story. It's just like, you've graduated from one level, you know, the duplex all the way up to development. It's the natural evolution, which is sort of where this show is steered over the last many episodes. We've been talking a lot about development because it's just like the next logical step. And it, for a lot of us, like, I, I don't know, I, I find myself, I grow a little impatient with, <laughs> with the small stuff. Like I, I, I like the bigger, exciting project. Like I want to work on something big and, uh, you know, cause then it's, it justifies me putting the time. I'm sure you feel that way too. Like I want you want to feel like it's worth your time to put it in. Yeah, and hundred uh, percent. And par- probably the the biggest eye opener and kind of as we went to the, the next stage and when people are trusting you with their money, when we're bringing in investors or you know we've got a private mortgage on, yeah, we need to we need to be very confident in what we're doing. So yeah. we learn on the smaller projects all yeah. of those things, then we can apply them in a. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because we've got, we have a a huge fiscal responsibility to all. Yeah. And I don't, I don't suggest anybody start with a project like this, like, unless you have a whole bunch of odds stacked in your favor, it's not going to, it's not going to make sense for many people on their first, Uh, but it's something you can work towards. 100%. Yeah. 
So very cool. Uh, where do people find you and reach you? So if um, and if they're looking for more information, we're you can reach us on our website. So uh, www.centurypropertygroup.ca. We're on Facebook and Instagram as well. If anyone Century spelled with an S. Yes, that's yes. S E N T R Y. Century Property Group. .ca. Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. So uh, that's uh, we'll share that in the show notes. Um, anything else you wanted to share that we haven't covered? No, I think that's. We pretty much got it all. <laughs> we got it all. We went through a few <laughs> examples. I'm sure you have plenty more that we could have dug in on, but uh, I think we got some really cool ones here, lots of numbers. And uh, yeah, it's uh, great hearing your story. And you had come to the meetup just for, for people listening to this. Was it the last one at West Ave? A couple couple months before ago. that. But yeah. if anyone hasn't been, I'd, I'd recommend come out to, uh, yeah. come out to the meetups. Meetups I find are great for new guests coming on the show. Like I like to meet people and what what are you doing? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Let's have you on. Um, So that's great. Appreciate you coming out and uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Great. Well, let's stay in touch. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing updates on these projects. Thank you, Andrew. There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines, where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors.